Okay, we're recording our first episode. Well, Glenn, right. what do you think we should do? Let's let's uh, for our first episode. Why don't we talk about why are we doing this podcast? That's Who's a crazy question. enough to do one, and <laughs> and that, why is that us? Why are we calling it Wise Athletes? What do you think? I think it's a great idea. I think it's important to set the baseline for what we plan to do and where we plan to go. What do you think is the reason that we're doing this? Why are you doing this? Why am I doing this? Oh, because I've been doing the, doing sports for like, what, 40 plus years? And I really feel like the things I've learned basically in bike racing and in sports are applicable to master type older athletes and how to stay healthier longer. I know um, there are a lot of new athletes now coming into our sport, in particular cycling, and um, they don't know a lot of the details, as well as a lot of the just generalities, as well as, well as what makes a good cyclist, um, and how to be doing a sport, whether it be cycling or running or whatever the sport may be, for as long as possible. Um, it appears to me that um, what we want to do on Wise Athletes is teach athletes how to do what they do better and for longer uh, with longevity, the goal being to be smart about how you train and how you recover from exercise. Well, that sounds like the sort of thing a coach would say uh, right. and a scientist. So um, my guess is that we're going to find out that uh, you fit both of those qualifications here in just a little bit. Um, Indeed, yes. I'll jump in with my own thoughts on why why am I doing this. And I'm doing it because I'm pissed off and I can't find this information anywhere, you know, and I'm an old guy getting older every day and trying to hang on to what I got athletically, you know, and at the same time, I'm, I'd like to live a long time. And so I, you know, I'm looking for information on that too. And nowhere am I finding solid information to help me with how do these two things intersect? What you're saying is so true is that um, a lot of master athletes will go to sites to find information about training, but that training applies to elite athletes or high-level athletes. And when a master tries to go at that level, they either burn out or they don't recover or they actually become less healthy. And our goal is to be healthy for as long as possible, to extend our lifespan to, you know, when we're 75 or 85 or 90, rather than being in a wheelchair in a nursing home with oatmeal dribbling out of the corner of our mouth, we could be out riding our bikes and having a good time and enjoying life. A good friend of mine always used to say, I want to die at 100 years old, skiing down a ski slope, being chased by a jealous suitor. And I'll never forget that. I love that, you know. Um, I feel the same way. It won't be, I won't be skiing at 100, but I'll be riding the bike at 100 years old. There was a 90-plus category at the World Championships, and there were four guys racing in the 90-plus. And I remember after seeing them race, I was still in my 40s. I thought, I want to be here when I'm 100 years old in the 100-plus category, racing with 10 other guys that are also over 100 years old. That's my goal. And so for the people who listen to this podcast, we want to give them the information that we've compiled over the years to help them get there without hurting themselves along the way and to be healthy into their much later ages. Well, that sounds like the sort of information that I personally will be interested in getting. Let's get into a little bit about uh, how did we come up with that name? I can remember you didn't like my first handful of names <laughs> that I came up with. Uh, how, did, how did we come up with this name? Why, why do we think that this is a good uh, label for what we're doing? I like the word wise athletes because there is, you know, smart and there are other words you can use. But the word wise is more like I think of an owl who's wise, who thinks about things and says, hmm, what's the best way to do this? What's the best way to combine my sport with my lifestyle, my sport with my job, my family, and my other commitments. How can I do this so um, 
I get the benefit of the exercise, the fun, and hit the goals and targets I want to hit without compromising my work or my family or my job. The whole idea being that if we're smart about this and we put together a program that allows us to think in a way that what's the best way to do this that that benefits everybody, including myself, my family. So maybe if I go and ride my bike, I'm not so stressed out. I'll be a better husband and, and father. If um, I ride my bike, I'm cardiovascular. My body's working better. So I won't be in the hospital being sick for some disease. I'll have a stronger immune response, perhaps I won't get the coronavirus or I won't get other influenza type stuff. So I'm more effective at working at home. So this is a, a, a smart way of looking at exercise. And so you want to be wise about your exercise program. So the term wise athletes encompasses that idea. Yeah. And I think it also implies a, um, an accumulation of knowledge over time. And as, but we're trying to zero in on wisdom related to uh, for older athletes how to be as smart as you can as an older athlete which maybe isn't just how to be as fast as you can as an older athlete it might be be fast but also be smart so you're not getting injured so that you're not tearing up your joints so that you can be mobile late into life and all of those kinds of things you know so many people uh, I've heard from uh, just in the last few years who now have heart problems they think have come from how hard they've been exercising. What a, a whammy, you know, you've been trying really hard to be as fit as you can, thinking that it's making you healthy and it's been hurting some of these people. So yeah, I, wisdom I, sounds like a good thing. Well, I can think of three athletes when you mentioned that, that have done just that, one of which is me. Um, way back when, um, my friend Bobby Phillips developed atrial fibrillation. He's a high-level athlete. And then the year before it happened to me, my teammate, the Copeland, developed AFib at the National Championships. I thought, what's the deal? We're training ourselves to be healthy, and we're developing heart condition. And a year later, I developed the same condition, atrial fibrillation. So this is a situation, I believe, where I wasn't taking good care of myself, cardiovascularly speaking. I was pushing the limits of my racing, you know, and I realized that if I want to keep racing and, you know, not die of a heart attack or a, a stroke or something to that effect due to the AFib, I've got to take care of my body. So I had that in a very personal way and, you know, a very um, close to my heart, literally speaking. Um, so I can talk from that perspective as well, having caused damage to my own heart, by the way, how competitive I was. And my goal, I've, I've cut back quite a bit with the goal being, I still want to compete, but maybe not doing two races a day or three races a day and racing every weekend give my body plenty of time to recover. So this is part of that being a wise athlete. So I'll, I'll be basically able to ride for a longer period of time. That sounds great. I look forward to hearing about that. Mm -hmm. um, let's, let's provide a little bit of an overview, you know, just off the top of our heads here in terms of the kinds of information that, you know, at this point, because of course we're going to be exploring this and adding to it and, you know, maybe even subtracting from it as we get smarter about what's interesting to people. But what do we think we're going to talk about? What kind of subjects? You know, we talked about recovery here and things like that. What, what else do you think? Well, you know, I think one of the things we want to talk about, the very first thing perhaps, is an athlete has to define what their goal is. A lot of athletes or people come in, like good example, I, I have a lot of people that come to me usually in January of the year. They've made a New Year's resolution that they're going to get healthy and get fit. And they know they're smart enough to know that having a coach or a trainer of some sort will help them achieve that goal. So I always ask the question, well, what's your goal? Why are you exercising? And it might be, well, I want to lose some weight. Or I want to get in better shape. 
or I just want to ride my bike. I want to do a, a century, 100 miles, or I want to learn to do a triathlon. Or I want to run a marathon. So knowing those goals, I can design a program that will get them to their goal in the proper time without them overdoing it. And one of the things I, I think is almost kind of funny in a way is that a person may come to me and say they want to run a marathon, which is 26 miles. And I kind of go, well, when's the last time you ran? I go, oh, well, about 25 years ago. I used to run in college. I'm like, have you run any since then? They go, not really. I go, well, so let's do this slowly. And they go, well, I want to go out and run a marathon. I go, no, no, no. So they go out and they'll do a 10-mile run. And then for a week later, they're in so much pain they can barely walk because they haven't run in so many years. The body's not accustomed to it. And they create more damage than they do otherwise. So I'm always recommending to them that they start up with baby steps. Taking small steps, like you're going to run a 26 miles. Let's say, can you run a mile first without killing yourself? Or maybe just walk a mile and gradually work up to the point where you're actually able to run for 26 miles. So the first thing is to find those goals and deciding, you know, from those goals, how do I want to plan my training? And then the other thing you want to touch base on, you know, when an athlete goes out and works really hard, I I call this the accessory aspects of training. What about um, the backup systems? How do you recover better? Do you deal with massage? Are you going to do, you know, acupuncture? Are you going to do chiropractic type care? Um, How are you going to use your body to recover from exercise? You know, you have to allow that to your program as well. You can't just ride your bike and then let your bike, your body recover by itself. What about the equipment you want to use um, in terms of a bicycle or if you're going to do swimming, what kind of a pool you want to work with? You know, what kind of mileage you want to put in? What kind of training do you want to develop? So there's so many questions that you might ask that we'd like to answer. And then you have questions. What about supplementation? You know, what about what, what vitamins will help me? be healthier for longer. There's so many aspects we can touch upon, and that's the goal of the, the wise athletes. And, and obviously, there are going to be things that we haven't even thought of that our listening audience will probably write in and say, hey, how about this topic? And I say, absolutely, let's touch upon that topic too. With the 40 years I've been racing bikes and have been in sport and working 20 plus years as a coach, I've learned so much about the sport, and I feel like it's a shame that I can't get that information out to other people. And so one of our goals as part of Wise Athletes is to present that information to people in a format that they can use to become better at what they do, healthier at what they're trying to achieve, and accomplish the goals that they set for themselves. Yeah, that sounds good. I, I guess I would add on to that uh, from my own experience that, you know, it seems like it would be easy to just write a list of, you know, things to do and things to don't do. Uh, and surely the lists exist. Uh, I've seen them. The more you get into athletics uh, and into, you know, these individual sports, you know, like cycling, the more you find that everything is connected. And so, you know, yeah, you should do this. What's not on the list is, but if you do too much of that, then this other thing is going to start to be a problem. And so, you know, now you're going to have to deal with that. So it really is a systems thinking that is very hard to, to come by with lists more is better or less is better. Uh, so maybe that's a part of the, the whole wisdom idea. Well, one of the things to think about, and I use the bicycle wheel analogy, is that imagine a bicycle wheel, and it has spokes from the, from the hub out to the wheel. And now, if you think about this, if each spoke represents a different aspect of your life. Let's say one's the sport itself. Another spoke might be your work. Another spoke might be your family of life, relationships. Another spoke might be the spiritual side of your life. Another spoke might be your financial side. Now, if all the spokes are of equal length, the wheel will be round and true. And as a result, it will roll smoothly. Essentially, your life will go smoothly if all the spokes are of equal length. But if you take 
let's say, sport and suddenly focus all your attention on sport and your, your financial life, your job, your family, your relationship with your kids, your spiritual relationship, all these things start to suffer, that wheel is not going to roll very smooth. It's going to be a pretty bumpy ride, actually. So I really encourage people when they choose a sport or they try to get involved in being healthier, they look at all aspects, a more holistic approach. This is part of the idea of being wise about how we plan our exercise program. So we don't sacrifice other areas of our life in order to be just fit because we may be fit and have no family as a result. So we want to think about really integrating all the aspects of our life into our sport. And that's why I say it's important to have goals because sometimes those goals are not consistent with a good family life or job environment, or financial type things. So that's part of that wise athlete's approach. Yeah, that makes sense. And, and maybe that leads us to this, uh, to this next thing uh, related to what benefits uh, would we hope that uh, you know, we'll get, as well as listeners to the podcast would get, by thinking about how it applies to their own lives. It could include things as, as uh, you know, narrow as, well, I'll be faster on the bike you know, or I'll, I'll run faster. What do you think? I think going back to our goals, because like I said, every person comes to a sport with different, a different mindset. Some want the competition. Some want just to get healthier. Some want to just go out and ride their bike. I mean, there's so many reasons why a person rides a bike or takes up an exercise program. So many, many reasons. So I think the benefits we can provide the listener is that we can kind of specifically gear our talk to those aspects of old for elder athletes that allow them to achieve their goals more successfully than not knowing this information, not making mistakes that I've made over the years. I made lots of mistakes, no doubt about it, but I learned from my mistakes. And the things I've learned from my mistakes, I can help other people not make those same mistakes. One of the most important ones for master athletes is that if they do a training program that is geared towards a 20-year-old or even a, a mid-30-year-old, that will not apply to a 40, 50, 60-year-old athlete because they will not recover from the exercise. And if they don't recover from the exercise, they're not going to be able to continue in a way that will benefit them. So more than anything else for the master athletes, the idea of being smart, being wise about how we put together a training program so we can actually achieve the goals that we want to achieve in the least amount of time without stretching it out for years and years because we made the mistake of overtraining. So this is why I think it's really important that the content we provide is geared towards the athlete who has to deal with slower recovery times, a weaker immune system, um, weaker muscles, basically, um, and then also dealing with family life, um, maybe children, kids, relationships, and the other things that take place in a, in a life where you have more things going on, a job and everything else. So I think that we can provide a lot of insight because both of us are older athletes. We've been there. We've done that. We've learned from our experience. And we bring a large background of this kind of knowledge to the individual. So I think this would be a great way for us to help those individuals who want in one place for older athletes the information that will make them better at what they want to do. Yeah, that makes sense. This idea of starting with goals, it, it helps to explain in a way that is more meaningful to people who ask questions and the answer is always, well, it depends, you know, which is very frustrating. But if it depends on what you want to accomplish, well, then that's sensible. Uh, one of the things that I'll insist on learning for myself would be not just how to be the best athlete I can be every day, but to how can I be an athlete for as long as I can be? You know, I, I mean, yeah, I want to live a long time. I don't want to live a long time 
you know, in a coma, you know, laying in a hospital bed. I want to be active and, you know, maybe I'm not, you know, doing hundred mile bike rides, but I like to be out doing, you know, 10 mile bike rides, you know, when I'm a hundred years old and, um, and, you know, and uh, traveling and being able to walk around. So I'm mobile, you know, my brain is still connected to my body and working fairly well. Uh, and I think exercise could be put into a pill. It would be the best supplement uh, for longevity and health that anybody could take. I mean, that's great for me because I like exercise. It makes my life better to have exercise. But at the same time, we've heard the stories of how too much exercise works against those goals. So, yeah, so baking in the how to be a better athlete, but also how to be a, an athlete for a long time uh, mm -hmm. will be a big part of it. Anyway, those will be my goals. Right. Yeah, I think we have a lot to offer um, to people who come to this podcast because we're providing a completely different perspective. And so as a result, um, that perspective will help those riders or those athletes to become what they, you know, hit, they're hit the target to be achieve their goals, basically. I wonder if we could shift gears here, Glenn. Mm -hmm. You're a coach. Uh, you coach athletes uh, and uh, presumably uh, mostly uh, master's athletes. Uh, but why don't you tell us about, you know, your, your coaching practice and uh, and then from there, if you could get us, you know, how did you get into that and, you know, your own athletic past and present? All right. Well, it's, that's easy. Um, actually, I kind of came into coaching through my cycling, basically, because I was I've been racing bikes now. It's been 40 years and I started racing back in 1981 and quickly advanced to higher levels, and I ended up basically winning now uh, over 30 national championships at the master's level as well as eight world championships. Actually, nine? nine eight or nine. I've lost track. <laughs> anyway, the point is, is that I was good at what I did. I, I enjoyed bike racing, and I did well at it. And so um, people would come to me and ask, hey, Glenn, can you, you – know, obviously, they, they come to me and say, well, if, if you're this good, can you help me be this good? And in the beginning, I, I didn't really know – I didn't really define what made me good. I just knew that I'd do certain things. And I'd follow what other people were doing as far as coaching, but it didn't necessarily work for me. So I tried to find a way to kind of integrate my cycling into my, my lifestyle, so to speak. How could I do cycling and not, you know, affect everything else in my life, affect my job? Because there was a point in time when I was doing my PhD program where I actually left for three months and went out on the circuit and did the course classic and then did the national tour and did the tour of America and all that stuff. And, uh, I got an email saying, do you want to stay in the PhD program? And I was like, oh, yeah, sure, I do. And I came back three months later and then jumped back in again. And then my work became like the, the flip side of my cycling. It was like stress relief from cycling. Sounds kind of odd where the cycling was stress relief from my job. But um, I love science. And, of course, I got my PhD at the University of California School of Medicine. And so I bring a background of really high-level science to my sport. And so I'd use that information in my background in physiology and immunology to understand how can I become a better cyclist? How can I do my job better? And now when I coach athletes, I, I don't necessarily come at athletes from the same way most coaches come. I come from my own methodology where I try to figure out, you know, what worked for me and what will work for them? What worked with their particular lifestyle, with their particular interests, their particular, you know, what they come with genetics with. Um, some are faster in endurance and some are better at speed. And the idea is being that if I can find a way to, you know, incorporate those aspects to make them better at what they do based upon where they come from genetically, well, that makes me a better coach. That makes them a better athlete, and they accomplish the goals they want to achieve. So I came in kind of through the back door with coaching where people asked me, what do you, you know, can you help me? And now 
people come to me all the time. They ask me questions and, you know, coaching the OSI team. I get a lot of people asking questions about, you know, how can I do this? How can I do that? And sometimes people will disagree with me because they read it on the website somewhere that this is how someone else suggested it. But a lot of what I've done comes from personal experience, from, you know, not necessarily the tried and true methods, but trying different things and saying, well, is this better or is that better? Which works better? And then, you know, working out on a bike race. And I found things out in, in bike racing about body position on the bicycle, which contradict what everyone else has been saying, which work. And it's based upon the phys- physiology and the anatomy of the body and how the body applies that power to the pedals. And it's quite different from what's out there. And yet I've had athletes come to me and tell me, this is so different, but it works. And I go, because it's correct. And anatomically, it makes sense as far as how to pedal the bicycle. And I've learned this from work with Paralympic athletes that have one leg. I've worked this, learned this working with people who only have you know, half a leg, so to speak, and no arms, and they have to ride a bike, things like this, because they are using a compromised body to ride the bicycle. That teaches me, who has, you know, two arms and two legs, how to ride my bicycle more effectively, because they must compromise in certain ways to make them more efficient. And using those models, I can develop a way of riding a bike more efficiently, because I I had terrible form at the beginning. I can tell you some really funny stories about how bad my form was. And now it's so much better as a result of understanding the anatomy. So I came into the sport not knowing a lot. And then over time, sort of accumulating knowledge little by little and applying different aspects to it. And so I think that we bring, or at least I definitely bring, a large background of knowledge from the science side as well as from the experiential side. Um, and bringing that information to people on this podcast is one of my goals. Great. I'm sure that they'll be glad to hear it. I've worked with you for a few years now. Uh, and so I, you know, I can speak to the fact that uh, you're a creative thinker. Uh, you bring skills from speed skating and bring it to cycling. And, yeah. you know, these are not things you hear from other cycling coaches because they have no idea. People can reach you via your website. What is that? It's from the website itself. It's just glennwinkle.com. Go ahead and spell that out for everybody. Oh, um, G-L-E-N, one N. And last name Winkle, W-I-N-K-E-L. Um, that's the Dutch spelling I tell people. So glennwinkle.com will be the website. Just um, hit the contact form then, and I can respond to the contact form from there. Awesome. Didn't realize you were a Dutchman, but uh, I'll bear that in mind. Awesome. <laughs> well, you know, and I'll, I'll say that uh, I'm, I'm just delighted to have you as my partner on this. Again, we've, we've known each other for a few years now, and I just know how knowledgeable you are and you know, with your scientific background, you'll bring a ton of credibility to uh, what recommendations uh, we'll make. And, you know, for myself, I, you know, I don't really have credentials. Uh, I'm coming to this, as I mentioned earlier, just because I want to make sure that it gets out there for, you know, people like myself. Uh, and if the podcast is not that successful, then at least I got it for myself. And, uh, <laughs> uh, and that would have been good enough. Uh, as payment for uh, going to all this trouble. I always found that exercising was a key part of having a quality life, you know, managing stress, just the pleasure of the body working hard. I'm determined to keep that as a part of my life and, you know, not get so sick uh, that I, I can't do that or so injured that I can't do that. You know, cycling is a fairly new thing for me. Um, you know, what I've done more than anything else is uh, mountaineering and uh, rock climbing and skiing. Eventually I ended up having to um, give up some of the more risky things just out of a desire to live a long time. 
of course, getting into cycling, who would have thought, but I, I've been to the hospital from cycling many more times than I ever did from uh, rock climbing. I think that this uh, podcast is going to be a, a fun project. Uh, I'm going to learn a lot. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm very excited, too. I think we can bring a lot to this podcast. You know, you have a background in mountaineering, and so I have a background. I was thinking about this for a minute ago, actually, as you're speaking. Before I started bike racing in, in 1981, I was flying hang gliders for five years. Wow. And it was, the funny thing is that my mom, my parents were not thrilled about me flying hang gliders. And I never had almost no accidents in hang gliding. I was up in the sky by myself, all alone. And then I got into bike racing. I'm in these big packs of 100 plus people, elbow to elbow, wheel to wheel. I'm like going, oh my gosh. And you get wrecked all the time because someone bumps you and down you go and guys go down with you. It's just crazy. So actually hang gliding was far safer than bike racing ever was. But, um, and both were a lot of fun. But bike racing has taught me so much about myself and about sport and about exercise that hang gliding never could do. So um, I... I loved it from the day I started, and here it is 40 years later. I'm still doing it, and I hope for another, what, 40 more years, I'll be still racing my bike. Well, that's great. Well, and you're you're very good at it, uh, so I, I hope you do keep going, and I'm going to keep riding my bike as well, and um, I look forward to doing more of these podcasts with you, Glenn. All right, me too. Be a lot of fun.